Hi, I'm Mike Messier, and this is going to be a new podcast I'm delivering titled Life Lessons with Mikey Messier. Now, uh, I've made some mistakes. I've had some successes as well. And I think in this podcast, what I want to do is provide some life lessons for you, the listener, or the watcher, if you're watching this on video, that you can learn from my mistakes. Uh, basically, you know, it, it's an old lesson that a wise man or a wise woman learns from his own or her own mistakes, but even wiser person learns from the mistake of <laughs> mistakes of others. And I've made some errors along the way in my life, and I want to be honest and just share them with you. Hopefully somebody out there will learn from them, learn from my mistakes, do better, and maybe you'll give me a shot. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll help me out. Uh, real quick, I want to thank uh, Psychic Medium Angelo uh, up in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, for providing this uh, platform, it's going to he's going to distribute this for everybody, and uh, give a special shout out to Wrestling with the Future, uh, the Refs Roundtable, all the great shows that are available uh, through Psychic Medium Angelo and his family of podcasts. Also, want to say thanks to my buddy uh, Tommy Danucci and his partner uh, DJ Caveman uh, for their podcast, The Porch, which has uh, really been a great uh, inspiration to me because Tommy's been sharing his. Uh, journey as a filmmaker with films such as Vault and Almost Mercy, which you can listen to uh, all over the place. So that's the Porch Podcast with Tommy DiNucci and DJ Caveman. Uh, Avalonia Festival, my film festival, is also a proud uh, sponsor of that podcast, avaloniafestival.com. Now let's get to the life lessons and uh, why we're here. Um, part of my life, a part of my life that maybe doesn't get celebrated as much as I'd like it to is my acting work. And, uh, you know, I've been taking acting classes since 2000. I got my start acting in a film uh, back in high school, really, called World War III Part Two that I co-wrote. Really got into acting in uh, about, well, the late, <laughs> I date myself here, but the late 90s with a piece called Man and You, a Providence love story that I co-produced with my buddy, uh, George Lamastro. So I was about four or five years into this acting world when... I got an opportunity to have a part in a movie uh, that was filmed in Rhode Island with uh, the director was Mario Van Peebles, who his biggest movie probably is New Jack City. Uh, New Jack City is a movie that came out on the turn of the decade from the 80s to the 90s. It had Wesley Snipes, it had Ice-T, um, some actors at the time, a uh, guy from The Breakfast Club, I think his name was uh, Judd Nelson. Um, and uh, Chris Rock, young Chris Rock, was in that movie, New Jack City. Mario Van Peebles acted in it. And, uh, you know, Mario really had an interesting career. He's still very active. He's a very underrated filmmaker, I think. Uh, Mario Van Peebles, as an actor, played Malcolm X in the movie Ali. Now, what does this guy have to do with me? Basically, Mario was coming to Rhode Island, my home state, to make a film. And he was coming off a movie uh, titled Badass, which was Mario's tribute to his own father, who was also a filmmaker, Melvin Van Peebles. And there was an opportunity for me to audition for a role in this movie, which I actually ended up, you know, getting. Now, I'm going to tell the story of this and what I learned from this experience. Uh, I played a, a character who was the son of Sybil Shepherd. Now, Sybil Shepherd, some of you know exactly who that is, some of you don't. That's another life lesson we're going to explore, kind of the the changing nature of fame. Now, Sybil was on a TV show called Moonlighting in the 80s with Bruce Willis. 
She was in the movie. A lot of you, you know, film students have probably seen Taxi Driver. She was the uh, political worker who uh, Robert De Niro's character was obsessed with. Uh, Sybil Shepherd had a great career. I think she was even uh, a pageant winner, uh, a spokeswoman, I think, for, for Prell Beauty products. Uh, she was just all over the place for a long time. Had her own sitcom in the 90s called Sybil. And I got to play her son So uh, in this movie. Um, the, the movie was starting around, I want to say it was October of 2005 when this thing, when this project um, came into Rhode Island. I believe the budget that I heard was like a $12.5 million budget. From what I heard, I could be wrong. Uh, Wesley Snipes uh, from Blade and uh, White Man Can't Jump, he was getting about $3.5 million of that. And um, there was high hopes for this movie. Uh, you know, like I said, Mario was coming off a big movie called Badass. People were thinking that this new movie, Hard Luck it was called, was going to be in theaters, uh, theaters on Memorial Day of 2006. So a lot of excitement about this thing. At the time, the state of Rhode Island had a tax credit. Tax credits means that movies can be made in a state uh, beneficial for everybody, basically. <clears throat> so everyone was very excited. Um, I went in, I got a call, and this is where the life lessons began. I was working uh, in training. I was training to work for uh, MetLife Insurance. Now, if you know me... <laughs> You could probably guess that I'm not really, or maybe you can't. I'm just not into insurance. It's, it's got nothing to do with me. I mean, I'm just not an insurance type of salesman. But I was training for this job. I had been working a part-time job at a literally a mom-and-pop insurance company for a couple of years. Very, you know, nice little job I had. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of pressure, uh, maybe internally and, and from family members, to get a real job. And so I was training for MedLife Insurance. Um, and I just wasn't you know, I wasn't doing great with it. I had, I try to have a good attitude, but, uh, the, the systems that we were using with computers, they were going through a, a change of computer systems. And it was, it was very difficult to keep up with this training because we were kind of learning two computer systems at once and everyone was getting very confused and frustrated in my training class. People were dropping out. I had a little bit of a sidebar story where I actually had a press pass to go see a UFC fight, Ultimate Fighting Championship in Mohegan Sun, and I couldn't use the uh, press pass to see the fight because I was uh, in training on a Friday night, so I was kind of resentful of that. When I got the phone call one day on my answering uh, you know, voicemail from LDI Let's Do It Casting out of Rhode Island, uh, Annie Mulhall, who know me for a couple of years, uh, she called me. To say, hey, Mike Messier, I've got a role for you to audition for. She was very excited, very frenetic. Um, I drove, you know, just 20 or 30 minutes for this audition. Now, I can even go into a life lesson here. The reason why I was even on this casting director's radar, her mental radar, was because about three years earlier, I had given her a VHS tape of uh, some of my highlights of, of life, you know, some of my highlights of pro wrestling and stand-up comedy and, and doing guerrilla theater. I had given her this hour and a half long video. It was actually 100 minutes to be exact. And I think I, I could just imagine her at 2 o'clock in the morning one night popping this VCR tape in the machine and watching this thing and getting the impression that I'd be up for anything. So when she called me in for this audition, she explained that I would... Uh, be reading some lines for Wesley Snipe movie, Snipes movie, and that the character was uh, mentally challenged. And uh, here's another life lesson: 
during this time, 2005. The term retarded was pretty much used uh, for this character. It was used in society. What I discovered in the year or two of doing this movie, when the movie came out, the term retarded became very politically incorrect. It, suddenly, it was not favorable to describe uh, my work as the character as retarded, or, or that just became very passe, very offensive. And it's interesting how terms that some of us have grown up with, um, you know, calling uh, people of a certain skin tone black, now you call African American. Now, some might be offended by the term African American because some of the people aren't from Africa. So uh, I say that just because it's interesting that things can change and the sensitivities can change, usually for the better, uh, for the most part. Uh, but the term retarded really became passe, and I got kind of snake bit with that later on. Anyway, going through this audition process, um, when I first came in for the audition, I noticed that a guy named Vinny Paz, Vinny Pazienza, who's a famous boxer from Rhode Island, he was also there uh, auditioning for a part either in this movie or another movie. At the time, the film The, the, the Departed was actually uh, beginning its casting as well. Of course, that movie became a, a much bigger success <laughs> than Hard Luck. Um, I auditioned two or three times. Each audition I had, the stakes got raised a little bit. It went from just reading a couple of grunts and groans, you know, Mama, Mama. You know, my character was just basically saying, Mama, Mama, I want to go trick-or-treating. Uh, you can see this on my acting reel, the, the finished work. Or you can see the whole movie, Hard Luck. But basically, every time I went through this process, there'd be more things to do. Uh, I brought some improv to the table. I brought some wrestling action figures to one of the rehear to one of the auditions uh, to play with the action figures. Uh, one, this couldn't, <laughs> this maybe this couldn't happen in this day and age. Who knows? But for one of my uh, four auditions, I was actually asked to take my shirt off because they wanted to see the bulk or the size of me as an actor because they really wanted like a giant. They wanted a huge person uh, for this part. Um. Eventually, the movie started filming, and I hadn't been cast yet. Uh, the movie started filming, and, and I'd gotten either the yay or the nay that I'd be playing Eugene in this movie. Um, a little side note, at one point it was um, said that Sharon Stone would be in this movie, and that the character of Eugene would actually be uh, Sharon, Shone, Sharon Stone's younger brother. That became Sybil Shepard's uh, character's son. So there were some changes made. Uh, but the movie started filming, and there was a lot of anxiety on my part because, hey, if the movie's filming and they haven't cast me or they haven't cast anybody, is this role even going to be in the film? And and I heard, found out later from the from the uh, wardrobe guy that they thought about just killing off the character altogether. Well, luckily for me, they didn't. I was uh, at my apartment one night. I had a, a friend over, and I got this phone call that it was Annie Mulhall. It was a Friday night. She called me, and she was very Oh, Messier, I got the the word. I said, oh, yeah, what happened? She said, well, they want to use you. And she was very excited. She kind of lured me in, um, making me think that I wasn't getting the part, that I did get the part. This uh, video, if you're watching the video, is not terribly flattering. This might, <laughs> might be better served as an audio podcast. But in any event, I did get the part. So uh, I come in for the, the movie was filming in December of 2005. I mean... Once again, when, you know, and I'm just giving you some inside secrets as much as I can. When a movie typically is filming in December or even January, it's usually because they're trying to save some money. Um, most productions, if they can, avoid the Christmas season. They avoid the holiday season. 
if a film you know is filming during that time of year it's nothing against the film it's just that you realize that the money considerations are there they're trying to get the most out of their budget because a lot of people don't want to work if they can avoid it in the holiday season but here we were the holiday season uh, October November into December of 2005 um, what did I learn being on the set uh, first of all I learned uh, technical things cell phones at the time I was I was kind of late to the cell phone game. I learned when to have my fucking phone on and when to have it off. Uh, I went on set. They called me on set for me to observe. I met Wesley Snipes. He's sitting in one little director's chair. I'm sitting in the other. They had a, a scene going on that neither Snipes or myself were in. The scene calls cut, and just as the scene called cut, my cell phone rang. Big big fuck up on my part. Big error. I was very embarrassed. <laughs> and Snipes shot me a pretty hard look. He wasn't too impressed. It was the time when, for me, cell phone was still kind of a new thing and uh, just wasn't the master of when to turn the cell phone on and off. Then I started erring on the side of turning my phone off all the time because of that traumatic experience of having my cell phone ring on set. I started turning my cell phone off all the time, uh, even to the point when I was once in a, another trailer of another actor just hanging out on set and they were trying to reach me by, by my phone, but my phone was off because I, I was so traumatized by my phone going off. So learn some life lessons there, simple cell phone control. And now I'm very much a jerk. If I go to a movie as a, as a paying customer to see a film and someone's cell phone goes off in the theater, I get very pissy and I'm one to speak up and, hey, turn your phone off. So, you know, but actually being on the set of a movie and having your phone go off was not a good idea. Um, the other thing I learned was, you know, my relationship, you know, here I was playing Sybil Shepherd's son. I was very respectful of her. I did not try to buddy up to her. Um, I think I could have cozied up to her a little bit more, to be honest with you. I could have, I could have been a little more personable. I could have been a little more, um, I don't know, gracious. I did. I think I did give her a card, as a matter of fact. I think I gave the, the uh, I made a card for Sybil Shepherd thanking her, and I think I passed it on to to somebody like the hair and makeup person who gave it to her, something like that. But I I could have been even more personable because when we ended up uh, fast forwarding a bit, when we wrapped the scene with me and Sybil Shepherd, she actually had her uh, uh, assistant take a picture of me and her together, but I didn't do the same. So I think in retrospect, I would have been more personable with Sybil. Uh, what I learned was that she actually was the one that made the deciding vote to have me play her son. Uh, she was shown the audition tapes of me and the other finalist actor, and Sybil decided to uh, choose me. Um, I felt very relaxed on the set. You know, there was a, there was a day when we had a um, a uh, fight scene between me and Snipes, and I was basically being trained, you know, on the spot. How to fight with Wesley? They did. They did have a supposed stunt man for me for this fight scene. That said, "Hey, Mike, if you want to use a stunt man, you can." He was about five foot eight and one hundred and forty pounds, and I was about twice this guy's size. So I said, "I'll do my own stunts." Um, but I did feel very good and very confident when we actually got to the fight scene, uh, which was really my first day of of action on this thing. Um, Wesley Snipes, uh, really kind of balked at the fight scene. Like he, he did not understand it. He did not understand why he would, his character would be fighting my character. And, uh, Mario Van Peebles, to his credit, called halt in the action. 
and they rewrote the script on the spot. Now, this is where things got very interesting. What I learned here was that Mario, in my opinion, was doing a great job as a director. He had an actor who had a problem with the script, and rather than getting to a pissing contest with Wesley Snipes, um, Mario rewrote the script and basically had his character take over a lot of the fight scene, his meaning, Mar meaning Mario's. So my going into this thing, I thought I would have this hand-to-hand -hand combat with Wesley Snipes. I ended up more with hand-to-hand -hand combat with Mario Van Peebles, with Wesley Snipes coming in towards the end with a saw handle to knock my character out. Was it, um, I don't know if it was disappointing that I didn't get to, you know, really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Wesley, but it, it might have been at the time, but I was really just thankful to still be in the movie. Um, I'm going to fast forward to the real thing, because you've been hanging here with me for a while on this conversation. What was the thing that I learned the most about this process? A, uh, or one, I felt very good about being in this movie. I felt very much like I belonged. I didn't feel that I was better than anybody. I didn't feel that I was worse than anybody. I mean, talk about the other actors. I felt like I could hang with anybody. So I felt like uh, this was a feeling, being on this major, you know, major motion picture, you know, still $12 million movie. I felt good about it. I felt good about myself being there. I didn't feel that I, uh, you know, I felt like, fine, I can do this. The the real thing, though, the life lesson from this journey was as much of the work as I put into being in this movie is, is luck, you know, fortune, uh, Annie Mulhall looking out for me at LEI casting, Sybil Shepard picking me, Mario Van Peebles agreeing to it. The duration of time between the movie got being finished filming, which was December of 2005, right around December 22nd, I think was our last day of filming, 2005. And when the movie finally came out, now we were told at the time that this was going to be a big Memorial Day weekend, you know, movie. This was going to be Mario Van Peebles, you know, his Pulp Fiction. And this was going to be the Wesley Snipes' um, Pulp Fiction, like, like Travolta, with a career resurgence. That didn't exactly happen. Memorial Day 2006 came and went. Movie wasn't released. There was no information about the movie. And for many months, the, the whole year of 2006, I was just kind of on hold waiting for this film, Hard Luck, to come out. You know, hey, I'm in this movie. When's it coming out? Eventually, the, the word was the movie would be uh, released. It, it had a, it, and I found out the day after, literally the day after, the movie had a one-night premiere at the Harlem Film Festival, 2006, in Harlem, New York. And the next day, it was released... Straight to video, straight to Blockbuster, Hollywood Video. So at the time, we still had video stores. You know, Blockbuster and Hollywood Video were releasing Hard Luck as this, you know, straight to straight to video release, exciting release. I mean, it was still promoted. It was still hyped. You know, about six months later, it came out on uh, USA Network. We'd play it two in the morning, and Universal HD Network at the time was a thing that would play the movie Hard Luck, an edited version, because it's, it's an R-rated movie. Um, and there was, yeah, there was some disappointment there because this movie, which was probably a borderline theatrical release, it, it had the elements, it had Louise Guzman, it had Melvin Van Peebles, Mario Van Peebles, Wesley Snipes, Sybil Shepard. It had a good cast. It had a decent story. It was really, to me, it could have gone either way. I mean, the movie, production-wise, it could have been uh, a bigger release. It could have been theatrical. Would it have flopped? I don't know. I can't tell you that. 
But what I didn't realize is I was waiting. I was waiting to find out what would happen. I was waiting for this movie to be released. What I should have been doing between December of 2005, immediately, is I should have gotten an agent. I should have gotten a manager. I should have gotten an entertainment lawyer in my corner. I should have promoted myself uh, more voraciously with, with websites. I should have taken that time between the filming of the Hard Luck movie and when the film was uh, released, no matter what it would be, that was my golden time because the potential this movie had with Snipes, with Sybil, with Louise Guzman, Mario Van Peebles directing, it was bigger than the movie actually was. So I, I try to explain this. Nobody knew that the movie would be straight to video release given those elements, given those stars, uh, given that Sony Pictures was behind this thing. Uh, nobody knew that it wasn't going to be a bigger movie than it, than it turned out to be. So in that element of time, when I was this you know relatively young guy, relatively unknown, I could have made the most of my own career during that time, during that gap. Once the movie was fated to be a straight-to-video release, straight-to-home video, straight-to-USA Network, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's when the disappointment comes in that this is not a theatrical release, this is not a, a theatrical movie, uh, so then it's not as a big a deal. So the point is, the life lesson here is, these windows of time, that we experience, we're experiencing that now as a as a world. We have this downtime, and and people are scrambling to to get entertainment in their system. I want to watch my Netflix movies. I want to do this. I want to talk on the phone. These are the times, these dead times, that you make the most of things. These are the times um, that you can write your King Lear. <laughs> you know, uh, these are the times that you can do things that are powerful. And uh, once again, giving a, a shout out to my buddy Tommy Danucci and his podcast, The Porch, because he came up with that uh, King Lear thing. This is the times when, you know, Shakespeare would write King Lear is, is in a worldwide pause, so to speak. So I had my pause. I had my seven or eight or ten months that uh, once the filming of Hard Luck was done and before it was released, I should have done more. Uh, some some other I had a bunch of notes here I kind of ignored them. There is an article online if you dig it up. Uh, Mike Messier, Hard Luck. I think it was published on NewEnglandFilm.com, a great a great website by Michelle Meek. Um, some of the other things I learned were just maybe just to enjoy. I did enjoy the experience, but I did err on the side of being a little bit of uh, you know frigid. I would have warmed up to Sybil Shepherd a bit more. I did reach out to some of these people, Sybil Shepherd and, and uh, Mario Van Peebles. Uh, I've reached out to both of them in the years past. Haven't had much luck getting in contact with them, unfortunately. Uh, I always look fondly at this experience, uh, this experience and hard luck. It, it elevated my career. Not too many people in New England got opportunities to play principal parts. This was a principal part, Taff Hartley, if you're talking about union stuff. This is the real deal. So I'll always be thankful for hard luck in my career. I think of someone like Ricky Lake, who, who had one line in the film, uh, you know, Working Girl. I think of Jeff Goldblum and Annie Hall, uh, one line. And that's kind of how I will hopefully look back at my hard luck experience. So this has been Mike Messier. It's been about, you know, 24 minutes. We're, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, 
Life lessons, as far as life lessons with Mike Messier, uh, go to MikeMessier.com. You can see more about me. Uh, you can go to Amazon.com and support Mike Messier Movie Maker. I've got some great shirts out. Uh, I've got some new shirts, Mike Messier Movie Maker shirt, Avalonia Festival shirt, some slogans. Uh, I don't count my sit-ups shirt for those of you that work out. And uh, hard work, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yes, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard shirt is out. Uh, some other inspirational quotes and so forth on my shirt line on Mike Messier Movie Maker on Amazon and MikeMessier.com. You can also find me on YouTube and Vimeo. want to thank, once again, Psychic Medium Angelo uh, for this forum. And I thank you, the watcher. Now, this is the, the rough first episode. I'm going to try and make improvements with my own delivery. But I thank you for hanging in here. If you have any questions, uh, just go to MikeMessier.com, contact me, and I'll try to answer them. So Mike Messier, Life Lessons with Mike Messier is wrapping up.